This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. A positive speech and positive thoughts. Positive thoughts and positive speech. There's a beautiful story of uh, a person that joined a cult. And this cult was unique. You're only allowed to speak two words every 10 years. You're allowed to say two words every 10 years. So after 10 years of the cult, he has a meeting with the head of the cult. And the head of the cult says, do you have anything to say? And he's only allowed two words. So he says, bed hard. And 10 years pass, and 20 years now in the cult, and he has another meeting with the head guy. And the head guy says, do you have anything to say? He says, food cold. After 10 years, he has another meeting with the guy. And he says two words, I quit. And uh, the guy, the head guy says, I'm not surprised. All you've been doing since you've come here is complain. So it's interesting because by the words we say to people, that's what they think of us. So even though generally speaking, a person is a happy person, but the people know us by what we say to them. They know us by their interactions with us. So even though this interaction may be 1% of a person's total uh, week, they know us by our interactions with them. So it's very important to have a positive interaction with people. How do you have a positive interaction with people? And the first thing is speech, how we say things and how we do things and how we smile. All these are positive interactions And it's very important that we have positive interactions with people. And this is illustrated the most in this week's week's parasha. This week's parasha is a parasha, which is a very long and involved parasha, which consists of two parts. The first part is the happy part, the good part. And then there's a sort of brackets in the middle of the parasha. They are upside down nuns. The upside down nuns tell us, that it's a separate section. It's interesting. The first brackets, I think the, the Torah invented brackets. Hashem invented brackets because the first brackets that are used ever are the brackets in the Torah. They are upside down nuns. So upside down nun looks like a square bracket. It's an amazing concept. Square brackets. And this week's parasha, which divide the parasha into two parts. Divide the parasha into a good part. And that's the first part of the parasha. And also divides the parasha into the second part, which is the part where B'nai Israel start to complain. And uh, we, we, we must always have an attitude of gratitude, not to complain. A person comes home and he finds the food is not ready, if the, the house is dirty, he shouldn't complain, mustn't complain. A person must always say to themselves, I mustn't complain, I must always compliment I must always have a cheerful face. I must always be positive, put a positive spin on things. It's very hard to always be a positive person, but we have to try our best to be positive people. And I'm going to be talking about that a bit later. But first, let's talk about this week's parasha. So there's three complaints in the parasha. And the first time there's a complaint, but it doesn't say what the complaint is. It's interesting. It doesn't say what the complaint is. Rashi says, because it was a year and a month after leaving Egypt, and they were on the verge of going into Israel. And the first complaint, which is not mentioned what it is, Rashi says they were complaining that they were traveling too fast. Hashem was making them walk too fast in the desert, and they're tired. And uh, the, the truth is, it's understandable. These complaints are understandable, but it's how the complaint is phrased. Number one, a complaint must be phrased, number one, with an uh, interesting uh, introduction, which is, Thanks. First, be grateful for what a person done for them. And then you can start saying constructive complaints, not complaints with no, not being constructive, but constructive complaints. I'm grateful for what you've done for me. I appreciate what you've done for me. And then don't you think we're better if, don't you think we're better if we did this like this, if this would happen like this and do it in a nice way with a grateful look, not with a big, scowl on one's face because then it's obvious to be a complaint it's very hard to uh for people to accept complaints we don't like no one likes accepting complaints um when people complain to the rabbi the rabbi's response is address the complaint to the head office (laughs) nobody likes complaints so uh 
especially Hashem does not like complaints. We see this with Parasha. They were not rewarded very handsomely for the complaints. So number one complaint was they're walking too fast. Okay, Hashem had good intentions. He wants to bring them to the promised land. You know, always look at the good side of things. The other side of the story, why is Hashem making us walk so fast? And the answer is he wants to get us to the promised land, the land of milk and honey, as soon as possible. The second complaint was harder to understand. They said, remember, we want meat. They come to the Moshe Rabbeinu, we want meat, we want meat, we want to eat meat. And they just want to find fault. How do we know they want to find fault? Because straight away they say, remember the fish that we ate in Egypt. We remember We remember the fish that we ate in Egypt for free. So they're asking for meat. And now they're saying, remember the fish that we ate in Egypt. It's interesting. If you're asking for meat, you should remember the meat that you ate in Egypt. The fact is they never had meat in Egypt. The Egyptians did not give them meat in Egypt. But they had lots of free fish. How did they get the free fish? So Egypt was irrigated by uh, the Nile. The river Nile would overflow and irrigate, and they would dig ditches. So you can imagine the Jews would have to dig ditches for irrigation. And when the Nile would go back, and at the end of the winter, it would go back to its banks, they were, the, the, the water would, would uh, sometimes uh, overflow and bring fish with it. And when the water went back, the fish were trapped. So they got free fish. The Jews in Egypt had free fish according to the season of the year, and they remember the free fish. So Rashi says, what kind of complaint is this? They're complaining about meat that they never ate, and they say that they ate fish for free. So Rashi says an amazing insight over here, tremendous insight. He says they're not talking about the fish was free. They're talking about that they were free from the mitzvot. They were free to do as they pleased. They didn't have any burden of 613 mitzvot weighing them down. They didn't want to be slaves to God. They didn't want to have God's Torah on their heads. They wanted to have fish for free. What does that mean? Want to be free of God, free of commandments, to do whatever they wanted. And that is an underlying complaint. It's amazing. Sometimes a person complains, but they don't really, they're not explicit with their complaint. They complain about something, but really they have something else that is bothering them at the back of their mind. You know, I was very lucky because I was educated by a top educator. He was my, uh, he was, uh, he was in, in, he was involved with uh, educating me to be an educator. Um, and uh, very, very fantastic. Thank God for that education I received to be an educator. And he says, amazing thing. So we had a problem, one of our teachers in the school. And uh, he was there. He didn't say much. He just sat there through the meeting. So I had a meeting with his teacher. And then at the end of the meeting, she leaves. And then he sums up. He's giving me guidance. So what exactly did she say? And what exactly did she want to say and intended to say behind the scenes? In other words, he was psychoanalyzing what she was saying. She said this. And what did she mean by that? What is really bothering her at the back of her mind? So interesting. Uh, some people complain, but really they complain about something else completely. The Jews were complaining they wanted meat, and they remembered the fish that they ate for free. Rashi says they ate fish for free. Yes, they wanted freedom from the mitzvot. Amazing psychological insight. They wanted fish for free, not because the fish was free, but it was free. But they didn't want fish. They didn't want meat. They wanted to be free from the mitzvot. They regretted accepting the Torah on Sinai. Amazing, interesting comment from Rashi. And then we have a third complaint, which is amazing again. It's not so clear what the complaint is. If you read the Torah, Torah says they complained among their families. They complained among their families. Ibn Ezra takes this literally. Ibn Ezra says they started a mini revolution. All the families gathered to complain about Moshe. They were fed up of this trip to Israel. They were fed up of the Torah. They were fed up of everything. They were fed up of the yoke of God and they gathered and the whole families gathered. It was a miniature revolution. Rashi says an amazing insight. Again, psychological insight. Tremendous psychological insight. They were gathering in their families to complain. What does Rashi say? He says they were gathering about families, about the laws 
of incest in Egypt is very well known. Egypt was known for incest. Egypt was known for total immorality. Pharaoh had to marry his sister. The uh, kingship passed through the female line. If you didn't marry the daughter, you couldn't be the king. So the brothers married their sisters to be king. And the Jews were complaining about inside their families. They were complaining about the laws of morality in the Torah. That's an amazing psychological insight that Rashi gives us. Although the Pshat may not be like that, the simple explanation is like the Ibn Ezra. They got families together to complain about Moshe's leadership. Amazing, amazing. This week's parasha discusses negative thinking. It's the total opposite of my talk. Negative thinking. And that what we have to do is try and substitute the negative thoughts with positive thoughts. More about that later. But negative thoughts lead to the next issue. Negative thoughts lead to negative speech. Negative thoughts lead to complaints. Negative thoughts lead to something worse than complaints. Lashon hara. Evil speech. Lashon hara. Rabbis give us different levels of evil speech. So complaints, for sure. Complaints are negative speech. Number two, rechilut. What's rechilut? Rechilut may not be negative. Rechilut is gossip. This one did this, and this one did this, and this one did this. But you know what? It's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. Gossip is a slippery slope. And the worst kind of gossip is to be a gossip monger. What is a gossip monger? If anyone needs information, they say, oh, we'll talk to so-and-so. He knows everything about everything. So that person is a gossip monger. Rashi says a rochel, a rochel is a traveling salesman. A rechilut is traveling salesman of gossip, Barmenan. <laughs> Even though it, not, it may not be bad, but it may lead to bad. For example, a person meets someone in the shopping center. He says, oh boy, I didn't know you were here today. You were meant to be at work. How come you're not working today? And then he meets the guy's boss. He says, guess who I saw in the shopping center? I saw your worker over there. That's Rechilut. He may not have any bad intentions. He may just say something which strikes him as strange and abnormal, but it's factual, but he gets someone into trouble. So that's Rechilut. That's the dangers of gossip. That's the dangers of even saying things which are not necessarily bad. They may lead to bad things. It's a slippery slope. That's number one is Rechilut. But even before that, the preface is complaining. Complaining is number one. Number two is Rechilut, which is gossiping. Number three is Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara is saying something bad, which is true. Something bad, which is true. So usually tell people, you're speaking Lashon Hara, but it's true. Well, that is the definition of Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara means bad speech, and it's true. True bad speech, that's Lashon Hara. And the worst level is Motsi Shemra saying bad about someone which is not true. That is totally false. That is giving someone a bad reputation, giving someone a bad name, Motsi Shemra, taking out a bad name on someone. That is the worst level of speech that a human being can, well, maybe there's worse. And then there's swearing and other things which are not mentioned explicitly in the Torah, but the Ramban says they're included in the, in the mitzvah, the positive mitzvah of Kedoshim to you, be holy. A holy person does not use foul language. So using foul language is also corrupting a person's speech. A person should try and keep away from using foul language, filthy words, because filthy words cause filthy thoughts. Filthy words and filthy thoughts are related. So a person should try and keep to clean language, speak good about people, and try and speak good about people very sparingly. If you speak good about someone in front of their enemy, he's going to say something bad. You're going to cause them to say something bad. And the example is in this week's parasha, which I'm going to talk about right now. You know, it's interesting because there's many different situations that the Torah describes regarding slander. For example, Sarah Imen. Sarah, our mother Sarah, was accused of slandering Abraham. And she tells Hashem, I can't have a baby. Why? Because my husband is too old. And Hashem says, when he talks to Abraham, he said, why did Sarah laugh and say that she was too old? She really laughed and said her husband was too old. That's slander. He wasn't too old. And Hashem twists the words 
for the sake of Shalom Bayit. We see it allowed to tell a white lie for the sake of Shalom Bayit. But again, the person keeps on saying white lies, they're going to be caught out. Instead of making Shalom Bayit, they're going to be make mischief in the house. So Shalom Bayit is excused for saying a white lie for Shalom Bayit should be used extremely sparingly. Because when a person loses their faith in someone, that is the end of the marriage. So a person should try their best not to tell lies in a marriage, even for the sake of Shalom Bayit. You don't have to say the whole truth. There's no oath of the year to say the whole truth. Say parts of the truth, but not to tell a lie. Not to say a lie, even though the Torah gives an example of Hashem misquoting Sarah. Misquoting Sarah for the sake of Shalom Bayit. Interesting. Number two, Yosef had Sadiq. We call him the Sadiq. But when he was a kid, he was guilty of Lashon Hara about his brothers. Yosef spoke Lashon Hara. The Torah says explicitly, He spoke bad about his brothers to his father. And everything he said came back. I think we talked about this. We talked about the parasha concerning this. Um, Toldot. So, uh, Toldot. And then after Toldor, uh, so Yaakov sends messengers. Anyway, so it's in the parasha over there discussing Yaakov and Yosef and how Yosef, when he was a young boy, he spoke bad about his brothers. And uh, that's again another case of Lashonara in the Torah. And Yosef was punished very, very harshly for that. He was sold as a slave, the brothers nearly killed him. And he ended up as a slave in Egypt for many years until he was freed and eventually became the viceroy. And then he learned his lesson, never spoke bad about them. Again, we don't find a single bad word coming out of Yosef's mouth. In fact, he never even complained. He never complained about his treatment in Egypt by his Potiphar, by Potiphar's wife, by the butler, the baker. He didn't complain at all. He only said good things. He learned his lesson. He never spoke bad about anyone ever again. We don't find Yosef saying anything bad about anyone ever again. We find this week's parasha is Miriam. I'm going to talk about it in detail. Then we have the spies. The spies came back with an evil report about the land of Israel. The next week's parasha is about the spies. And the Rashi says, why is the story of the spies straight after the story of Miriam? Because they should have learned their lesson. Not to speak Lashon Hara. Well, how do they know that you equate speaking Lashon Hara about Moshe Rabbeinu with speaking Lashon Hara about the land of Israel? How can you be bad to say bad things about the land of Israel? Well, we learned the parasha that it's bad to speak bad about Israel. If someone goes to Israel and someone asks him, how was your trip? It was a fantastic trip. I had a fantastic time. Israel, there's nothing you can say bad about the land of Israel. I'm not allowed to say anything bad about the land of Israel. Israel is a great place. It is, Baruch Hashem. I'm so happy to be here, Baruch Hashem. So spies were pu- punished for their bad report. They spoke Lashon Hara about the land of Israel. A division of the kingdom of David. You find the tribe of Judah. David is from the tribe of Judah. He's the ruler of the whole 12 tribes of, of Israel. 12 tribes of Israel. David Why was his kingdom split? So the rabbi said because he listened to Lashon Hara. More about that. Some other time, but he listened. He listened to Lashon Hara, and he actually acted on Lashon Hara. He took away someone's portion in the land of Israel, and eventually, instead of giving it back to him, he split it with someone else. And Hashem said, "You listen to Lashon Hara. You split the guy's land. I'm going to split the tribes of Israel from your descendants." And the tribe of Judah only got one portion: tribe and Benjamin and Levi, three tribes instead of twelve. So he lost his kingdom because he listened to Lashon Hara, accepted Lashon Hara. Yeravon Benavat was chosen to be the king of Israel. Why? Because it says he did not listen to Lashon Hara. So again, the difference between listening to Lashon Hara and not listening to Lashon Hara is the difference between success and failure, success and failure. So... Uh, Haman was considered to be the most skillful of all slanderers. Yeshno um, Amechad, there is one nation in your country, and they, they don't listen to the words of the king. Slander, pure lies, Motsi Shemra. Doei also slandered the Kohanim. He says they, they were rebelling against King Saul. King Saul says, kill the city of Kohanim. Nov, Ir Kohanim, 
were all killed off by this man, Doeg Haidomi. He spoke Lashonara about them and then he killed them. We find that it says that a person has the power to say bad about someone, they can also kill someone. They can speak bad. The truth is we don't really realize the power of our words. I have to speak about the power of our words and the power of our thoughts. Words are very, very powerful. How do we know that words are powerful? Because the Mishnah says in Pirkei Avot, Hashem created the world through 10 sayings. Whatever Hashem says. Hashem doesn't talk. Hashem has no mouth. What is the, the Torah teaching us? It's teaching us the power of speech. The power of speech can create worlds. And there's like lots more to say about that. Every time you say amen, every time you say a bracha, you are creating worlds. The angels say amen to whatever we say. A person says something good, the angels say amen. So it says something bad, but they say amen. So it's interesting. Every person has two angels. The Talmud says a good angel and a bad angel. We do something good and the good angel says, may next time be like this as well. The bad angel is forced to say amen. We do something good and we do something bad, the opposite. So it's very important what we do, what we say, what we think. So a person says, you know what? I can understand that actions speak louder than words. Actions are the most important thing. Yeah, but speech, we see, is also very important. The, the Talmud says, Lashon Hara is worse than three cardinal sins. It's hard to understand. A person says bad about someone, it's worse than three cardinal sins. It's worse than idolatry, adultery, and murder. Speaking bad about someone can result in the murder of three people. The speaker, the person who's listening, and the person who's being spoken about. So it's very important to guard our speech and make sure our speech is a positive speech. And that's the last prayer we say in the Shmona Esrei. Elohai Metzor Lishoni Mera. Wow! We end off our prayers three times a day. Okay, I'll say Shalom is after that. But we end off the prayers three times a day, saying a last paragraph. Elohai Metzor Lishoni Mera. Please, Hashem, God, my lips from speaking bad. Amazing concept. That's how bad speech can be. And we have to say a special prayer. And the Chavetz Chaim adds more prayers. <laughs> At the end of the Shemona Esrei, so another Yiratzon, Ribbonosher Olam, not to say bad speech. So let's try and change. Who's going to have in the head a traffic lights? And before they think something, the right's going to be red or green. And before they say something, you should see lights in his head. Is this right? Is it wrong? Is this red speech? Is it green speech? We're first going to try and have this traffic-like system in their heads. But as Rav Hashem will all be successful at this. What, it's interesting because in the Sephardic prayer book, there are 10 things that a person has to listen to every day. A person has to think about 10 things every day. They're called the Ese Zechirot. The, uh, the main six of them are from the Torah. And they are also part of the Ashkenazi prayer book. Six things that are compulsory to be thought about by every Jew every single day. It's a mitzvah in the Torah to think about these six things every day. Number one is the exodus from Egypt. It's part of our prayers, end of the Shema. We say it many times during the day. But a person's going to think when they say, I'm fulfilling a mitzvah from the Torah to remember the coming out of Egypt. So why is the remembrance of the coming out of Egypt so important? Just like Hashem can save us from the troubles of Egypt, Hashem can save us from the troubles in our lives. Hashem is our personal God. Hashem can do miracles to get us out of our personal Egypts. You know, it's interesting. The word in Hebrew for Egypt is Mitzrayim. The word Mitzrayim is related to Mitzarim. Mitzarim are boundaries or jail. Hashem can save us from trying. Hashem, Hashem can save us from our personal troubles, from our personal jails. So a person going to believe, number one is, we remember every day, come out of Egypt. Hashem can bring us out of our personal Egypt. He can bring us out of Galut, out of our diaspora today. If we want, Hashem can bring us out of our diaspora today. Maybe that's the messages of the last few weeks. Anti-Semitism all over the world. You know, I was speaking to someone yesterday in Borough Park. He didn't know where I was. I have an American phone number. So, <laughs> so I, I asked him, is Borough Park safe? So he says, you know what he said? He said, the safest place for Jews is in Israel. Wow, that is amazing from a guy in America to say that from a guy in Borough Park. 
in Brooklyn to say that, that is a tremendous admission on their part. Wow, that's amazing, but I agree with that. Number two, remember every day, we got the Torah at Mount Sinai. Person, I every Jews to remember every day, we got the Torah from Mount Sinai from God. The Torah is not something to play around with. The Torah is a gift. It's interesting. It's a gift to us by God to improve our lives. The Torah is not to distract us from our lives. It's not to destruct us, to destroy us. The Torah is to improve our lives by improving our thoughts and improving our speech and improving our actions. Now, that's what we have to remember every day. Thank God for the Torah. We, we thank God. There's a three blessings every morning on the Torah. Three blessings every morning, the morning blessings. Three blessings on the Torah. And there's another blessing for the Shema. And Hashem showed his love for us by giving us the Torah. So God says, what the Torah about? Why such a burden? And the answer is to improve our thoughts, improve our speech, and improve our actions. Halavai. And by doing those three things, we'll improve our marriages, improve our relationships, and improve our societies. If we really work on it, and we really understand what it's about, it will improve our societies. If we really keep it will tremendously improve our societies and it will tremendously improve the love between us and make Israel more united. And all the Jewish people should unite around the Torah, around. That's our central theme. We say we do on Simchat Torah. We dance around the Torah. Our lives revolved around the Torah. We have to understand the Torah is not a burden. The Torah is to improve our thoughts, improve our speech, improve our actions, but it's rather shame, improve the way we treat each other. The Ramban says at the end of Parashat Kitetse, even though it would be befitting to conceal the story of Miriam, it's interesting, because the story of Miriam is one of the things we have to remember every day. Let me go through them again. Number one is the Exodus from Egypt. Hashem has the power to take us out of our troubles. Number two, Hashem gave us the Torah. It's a tremendous gift to improve our thoughts, speech, and actions. Number three, we have enemies in the world. Amalek attacked us. Boy, we don't have to know this today. We, we can see this. We have, it's reality. We're surrounded by enemies inside and outside. Among ourselves, we have our own enemies from within. And we have the United Nations. Yeah, how much they troubled us. And uh, there are special committees that are setting up against Israel right now. While we're talking, our enemies, Amalek, around us, they want to kill us, they want to get rid of us. So we remember every day, Amalek's attack. What's so special about Amalek's attack? Anti-Semitism does not need to have a reason. They hate Jews for no reason, that's Amalek. Hate hatred of Jews for no reason. Number four, the sin of the golden calf. Oh boy, that is so appropriate. Is there such a thing as a person who can never be bought? Is there such a thing as a person never be bought for gold and silver, a golden calf? It's hard to find a person who is, I call it integrity, is Mr. Integrity or Mrs. Integrity, who won't sell their souls for a pot of gold. How many of you can resist the temptation of selling their souls for a pot of gold? It's tremendous tremendous says so when Yitro came to Moshe and says Moshe you can't judge the people all by yourself you need to set up courts run by others delegate to other judges so Moshe says okay what qualities should I look for in these judges and one of the things that Yitro said was Sone Batsa a person who hates bribes one of the things a uh, judge a Jewish judge is not allowed to do and I, I guess every law around the world every judge is not allowed to take bribes Lotikashochad the Torah says, don't take bribes. I think that's part of this remembering the golden calf episode. Not to be bribed by gold and silver. Not to be bribed by the idea of other gods. This is the God. There's no way out. We only have one God. There's no way out. And number five is the episode of Miriam, which I want to talk about. And number six uh, is to remember the Shabbat, which we do every single week at Friday night and on Shabbat night. We remember Shabbat according to Rambam. It's a mitzvah from the Torah. Remember Shabbat on Friday with Kiddush. And when Shabbat goes out with Havdalah. We remember Shabbat. Shabbat is an oasis of time. It's amazing. It's amazing quality about it. It's an oasis of peace in our busy lives with our internet, with our phones, and with our work. 
whatever, emails and WhatsApps, whatever, a person can go crazy. We have an oasis in time, but Shred Hashem will talk more about that. The oasis in time, if not now, then later, some other class. Oasis in time, Shabbat is an oasis in time. We've got to think, when you think of Shabbat every day, think of serenity. Think of peace of mind. Think of serenity and peace of mind. That's what I do. It's such a beautiful thinking. Shabbat, peace, serenity. There's one more thing that Sfardim add is the man. The manna fell from heaven every single day. You know, we will struggle for our living. And I realize there's a spiritual concept of man, which falls even now. God is giving us, providing for us. Everything we need is provided for by God. It's a spiritual idea. Open your hands, Hashem, and give us our daily bread, Hashem. You're the provider. So the man, I see that in the desert, 40 years, the Jews got support by the manna falling from heaven. And we in our daily lives have to try and find a vehicle that Hashem will provide for us. There's a vehicle that we have to make, which is called getting a job or investments or whatever it is, a vehicle through which God can bless us. That's the blessing of manna that we have to remember every single day of our lives. And we have to remember the episode of Miriam, which I want to talk about, because this episode of Miriam is one of the central ideas in the Torah where it discusses speech, negative speech. We have to transpose the negative speech into positive speech. So Ramban asked the question. We are saying the Lashon is such a bad thing. Why does the Torah mention this whole episode about Miriam? Poor Miriam. Why do we say bad about Miriam? So he says we, we can talk about it to give her merits. Every time we talk about the episode of Miriam, we give her merit if we learn the lesson. If we are very careful not to say Lashon not to speak bad about people, because we learn the lesson from the story of Miriam, Miriam is getting merits. It's an amazing concept. She is getting merits because we teach the story and it's very instructive. It's right here in the Torah to teach us and to teach our children. This is a tremendous vehicle for us to use this week, parasha, to use to teach our children the power of positive speech, not to complain, even though we may have you know, ideas inside us. Don't complain. If you're going to complain, do it in a constructive way. Do it with a smile. Do it with a positive spin. But don't complain in a negative fashion. This is bad. And this is bad. And this is bad. There's nothing good. There must be something good. You know, people come to me. Sometimes couples come to me. And they say, Rabbi, our marriage is a disaster. So I said, it's impossible. You know why? You must have married each other. There must be a time in your marriage where you saw good in each other. That you married each other. So please go back home and write down a list of good things you see in your spouse. And they scratch their heads and they have an amazed look. What? Good things I see in my spouse? Well, you must have married the spouse. What did you see good in your spouse that made you marry them? Go back and write a list. You know, it's very important to start thinking positively. What are the good things in life? What are the good things in my life right now? What are the good things? There's no such thing as a kid who's all bad. Find, find something good in that kid. Try and find something positive in a relationship. Try and find something positive at your job or your work. Whatever it is, try and find something positive and build on it. So the, Hashem is teaching us the story of Miriam, teaching us the story of Alotcha, the complaints, to teach us a lesson. Don't complain. Try not to use your speech for bad things. Try to use your speech for good things. You know, some of the greatest heroes in the Torah. Eliezer, one. Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, is the first one in the world who said, Baruch Hashem. He is the servant of Abraham. Where do you think he learned to say Baruch Hashem? Probably from Abraham, even though it doesn't say Abraham. But it uses that term by Abraham's servant, Eliezer. And uh, it says, Leah was the first one to say, now I will thank God. Wow, amazing. She called her fourth son Yehuda. Now I have more children than all the other women, all the other girls in my, in my husband's uh, harem. Uh, now I will thank Hashem. She called his name Yehuda. We are Yehudim. A root of the word Yehudi is Toda. We are the nation that should say thank you the most. We have the most gifts. And that's why everyone is jealous of us. We have the most gifts. And that's a, a big reason for anti-Semitism. 
it's based on jealousy. People don't realize that it's based on jealousy. We have the land, we have the air force, we have the military. People are jealous of us. Israel is strong. Worse, they hate us even more now. When Jews are weak, they can smash us and take out their anger and their vengeance. But when Jews are strong, it's very hard. They hate us even more, but being strong. Anyway, that's, let's talk a bit about the story of Miriam. All of us are suspect when it comes to Lashon Hara. The Gemara says in Bab Batra, in uh, page 165, it's one of the longest Talmuds. Bab Batra, 165, page 165, it says that most people are caught on Lashon Hara. Most people are caught on a vak gezer, a vak gezer, the dust of robbery. Say someone keeps the neighbor awake because they play their stereo out loud in the middle of the night. That is dust of robbery. It's not tangible robbery, it's intangible robbery. You steal someone's sleep. You steal someone's greeting. Someone says hello to you and you don't respond. You're stealing their greeting. That's our Bach Gezel. We're all guilty of our Bach Gezel. 99.9% of people are guilty of our Bach Gezel. 99.9% people are guilty of our Bach Lashonara. What is Avak Lashonara? Avak Lashonara is implied Lashonara. What does that mean, implied Lashonara? You wink at someone about someone else. Someone walks into the room and you wink at and say, don't say anything. I didn't say anything. But you implied it by your actions, non-verbal actions. That is a vak lashonara. It's a beautiful story. Prophet Chaim was once sitting on a train. And he was minding his own business. And there was a guy across from him, another Jewish guy on the train. And the Jewish guy is so excited. I can't wait. I can't wait. Prophet Chaim says, What's, what are you so excited about? He said, I'm going to see the greatest rabbi in history. He's the Chavetz Chaim. And he didn't realize he was talking to the Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim said, nah, he's not so great. Don't get so excited. He's just a regular person like me. And the guy smacked him in the face. He said, how dare you talk about the Gadol Hador, the leading rabbi of the generation. And eventually they're coming to the station and there's a crowd waiting and uh, the guy gets off the train and he says, who's everyone waiting for? He says, we're waiting for the Chavetz Chaim. He's coming here. And Chavetz Chaim comes off the train. They all greet the Chavetz Chaim. And the guy gets crazy. He says, what? I smacked the Chavetz Chaim. And the Chavetz Chaim says, don't worry. He says, you taught me a new halacha. You taught me a new Jewish law. And that is the laws of Lashon Don't even say bad things about yourself. Because maybe someone will smack you for saying bad about yourself. You don't realize maybe your own level or maybe someone else will get angry. So don't even say Lashon by yourself. Anyway, let's say the good things that Miriam did that would seem to entitle her to say Lashon Look what she did for Moshe. She caused Moshe Abenu to be born. The Midrash says her parents separate when they heard the decree of all the boys would be thrown into the river they heard the decree, and, she, and uh, they separate from each other. Miriam says to her father, says, you're worse than Paro. Why? Pharaoh's decree was on the males. You made the decree also on the females. So what happened is, Amram, the father, goes back to his wife, Yecheved. They have a child called Moshe Rabbeinu. So she caused Moshe Rabbeinu to be born. Number two, she risked her life to save him. She was watching him in the River Nile. So she was number, number three. She got a maid to feed the baby, which happened to be her mother. Number four, she had no reason to harm Moshe by speaking bad about him. She wanted to do something about his marriage. She just heard from Moshe's wife, Tzipora, that Moshe had left her. And she wanted to heal these things. So she spoke to her brother, Aaron. She was only speaking to her brother. She wasn't speaking to anyone else. She didn't realize that God had sanctioned Moshe to leave his wife. So she didn't say anything really derogatory. She just sort of hinted that he wasn't so great. What's so great about Moshe Rabbeinu? She, she didn't realize his level. Why would he have to leave his wife? We didn't have to leave our wives. We're also prophets. Miriam, Aaron, also prophets. So she said something. She implied something derogatory that Moshe was not as great as he was, he was thinking he was. And Moshe was humble. He didn't care. It didn't bother him at all. And yet, we find Hashem punishes Miriam. Okay. So those are the things which negative. Let's talk about the positives now. Let's talk about positive speech. 
what is positive speech? How does a person get to positive speech? But first we have to understand the power of speech. Speech itself has a tremendous power because speech is a sign of what we're thinking and speech can change what we're thinking. This power of speech is that it can change our destinies. Speech can change our realities. Speech can change the way we think. Amazing power of speech. And as we said, that Hashem created the world with 10 sayings. The power of speech can create worlds. The Talmud says in Shabbat 119b that the world exists in the merits of the words uttered by little children learning Torah. And little children, they're innocent. When they learn Torah, they're giving tremendous power for the world to exist. The world exists on this Hebel Tinokot Shel Bet Rabban, on the words and the speech of these children learning Torah and their innocence. Amazing. The power of speech can create worlds. The world can exist through the power of positive speech. What do we find? The Torah tells us that Hashem created man by blowing into him the nostrils in his nostrils, Ruach Hayim. Ruach Hayim. What is Ruach Hayim? Literally, the soul of life. He blew into his nostrils the soul of life. Onkulus, the famous translator into Aramaic, in the Torah translates this as he made man a speaking being. Hashem created human beings as speaking beings. There's a big difference between humans and animals that we can communicate through speech. We can communicate through speech. It's a spiritual level. It's called Ruach Hayim, the ability to communicate. It's a tremendously high level power. We have the ability to communicate with our speech and we have the responsibility to use that speech positively because words have a tremendous influence. The words we say to ourselves have a tremendous influence on ourselves. The words we use with others also have a tremendous impact on others. There's a beautiful book, which I, I love for children. It's called The Little Engine That Could. The Little Engine That Could is about a little engine, a locomotive. And it, could, it was small, not so powerful, but its favorite saying was, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And other more powerful engines when they saw big mountains, they said, we can't do it, we can't do it. The little engine said, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. So the power of speech, the power of words we, can, we tell ourselves is tremendous. The power of positive speech is tremendous. Can you imagine that Ben-Gurion would not have declared the state of Israel because he, would, he said to himself, I can't do it. We're going to be surrounded with five armies. They're going to invade us and we're going to be destroyed. And I can't do it. We can't do it. The state of Israel was declared because we can do it. And why can we do it? It's the last words, people don't know this, last words on the Israeli Declaration of Independence is with trust, but through Yisrael. We put our trust in the rock of Israel. The rock of Israel is God. We put our trust in the rock of Israel. And so far, Baruch Hashem, and hope never will the rock of Israel let us down. With trust in the rock of Israel, we're still here. We're still on the map. Even though they want to erase us from the map, we're still on the map. Jews are still here around the world, even though they wanted to erase us from the map of the world many times over. There should have been 200 million at least Jews in the world, but because of this anti-Semitism, the pogroms and the murder and the assimilation, there's only 14 million Jews around the world. But we are still here with faith in the Rock of Israel. So we have faith. You know, the Aleph Bet of Judaism is Aleph is Emunah and Bet is Bitachon. Faith and trust in God. With faith and trust in God, why won't a person be positive, even though we're surrounded by enemies? David Amalek says, Psalm 23, even though I've walked through the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. The person really believes that God is with them, not going to be afraid. We're going to survive and we're going to thrive. And that's the power of positive thinking based on Bittachon, based on Emunah, based on the fact that we believe there's a God. We believe God took us out of Egypt and God can take us out of all our Egypts. He can take us out of all our troubles. The world was created through 10 utterances, the power of speech. We have to talk to ourselves positively all the time. The rabbis say the meaning of dreams is also dependent on speech. Whoever the, the dream is sealed by the one who interprets it. If you go to an enemy, you'll get bad interpretations. If you go to a friend, you get good interpretations. 
or the best still is if you interpret it yourself and give good interpretation. I had a dream, and you know what? It was a fantastic dream. You know, it's a beautiful story. The Talmud says, Yalko Shimoni says, a woman came before Rabbi Lazar and said, I saw in the dream the ceiling beam of my roof fell down. It broke. And Rabbi Lazar said, you know what? You will have a son this year. Imagine, so she had a son that year. Now, if you see the ceiling beam of your house falling down in the middle of your dream, I'm sure that most, most people would say it's not a good scene. But Rabbi Lazar said it's something good. And you know what? Something good happened. If we interpret our dreams positively, the dream will come true. If we interpret our dreams negatively, that will also come true. We have the power of speech. And the speech is, and you know, I used to go to a rabbi shir. I was in yeshiva that time. I was uh, maybe 21, 21 year old. Yeshiva just got married. The burden of uh, raising children and parnasah was a tremendous burden. I went to the yeshiva and the yeshiva never paid. It was a kolel that never paid for three months. And a lot of the rabbis were learning there were in agony. They were really on subsistence level. And the Rashi was giving him a talk. And he's talking about Betachon and he said, you know what? It's all to do with power of speech. And what does he say? He says, you see the small building. It really was a small building in those days. He says, one day the walls are going to move out. It's going to be a big building. It's going to be a tall building. It's going to be hundreds of rabbis living in this yeshiva. And that was really when the yeshiva was really down and out. And you know what? It happened. It happened in front of our very eyes every year ago. And I said, wow, this yeshiva is thriving. So it's very important, the power of positive thoughts, the power of positive speech. Never say something negative. Never say something negative about anyone. person who has trust in God always says positive things from their mouth. Yeah, we can do it. We will thrive. We will be successful. We will increase. And the uh, Egyptians said, the Paro said, Penirbu. And Rashi says, Hashem said, Kenirbu, they will increase. You're worried about where maybe they'll increase. I say they will increase. Be positive. And so uh, the Talmud says, Moed Katan, A covenant is decreed on one's lips. Some explain that means two angels appointed to a person's mouth. Every time a person speaks, the angels accompany the word up to heaven. And those angels make sure the spoken word is fulfilled. Boy, we have to be so careful what we say. The Gemara says in Psachim 58, a person should never allow bad words to escape his lips. Never allow Lashonara, never allow negative speech escape his lips. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. We all know the story of Yaakov and Rachel. It says ya- Rachel stole her father's teraphim, whatever that means. Some people say idols. Some people say... Um, his uh, looking glass that he was looking to the future and uh, whatever it was, she stole her his father's trophim and she was sitting on it. And yeah, and Lavan comes to Yaakov, he's in a real fury. Someone stole my trophim, who is it? And Yaakov says, I don't know who it is. I would never steal anything from yours. But you know what? Whoever stole it, I cursed them that they should die. He didn't know he was going to curse his beloved wife, Rachel. And Rachel dies on the way to Israel in Ephrat, in Bethlehem, and he buries her. He caused her death by cursing the person who took her father's trophim. He didn't even realize the power of positive speech. He didn't realize who he was cursing. He just said it to get rid of Ravan, and it backfired, tremendous backfire. We should never say anything bad from our mouths. We should never curse anyone. By the way, that's a prohibition of the Torah, not to curse anyone. And not even, it's the Torah says, don't even curse a deaf person. So the rabbis say, if we're not allowed to curse a deaf person, how much more so a person you can hear? We can't curse a deaf person. <laughs> and the Torah says, one of the blessings given to Abraham Avinu was, Barchecha Baruch, Kalelecha Or. Those who bless you will be blessed, and those who curse you will be cursed. Never curse anyone. It comes back like a boomerang. But if you bless others, comes back as a boomerang. Always bless others. Whatever you say to others will come back to you. Boy, I always think about this whenever I say things to people. Bless other people. Always, Hashem, bless them with health, with wealth, with nachat, uh, with simcha, with joy. With, with uh, Today we have to bless people with security, safety and security. And uh, Whatever we bless other people, we're going to get back. So positive speech, blessings. And Yaakov, even for sure, did not want to curse his wife. Positive speech. Positive speech, very important positive speech.
So now we come to positive thoughts because speech comes from our thoughts. So we talked about the power of speech. Positive speech is so important. Negative speech is so bad. Same thing with thoughts, but more so. The rabbis say a person who is involved with bad thoughts and it's worse than bad deeds. Now, we don't think so. I mean, we can't see bad thoughts. We can see bad deeds. But usually the bad thoughts are a preamble to bad deeds, as the Rambam says. The bad thoughts will lead to bad deeds. The trouble with bad thoughts are that they keep on coming even after the... Okay, so if deeds, person person does a bad deed, hopefully the desire for the bad deed will be gone and he won't do it for a long time. But if he still has bad thoughts, he may do it again and again and again. So bad thoughts are the preamble to bad deeds. So bad thoughts are even worse than bad deeds. The Talmud says, Yuma, 29a, sinful thoughts are worse than the sin itself. Because when a person has sinful thoughts, they're damaging their mind. Our minds are our Beit HaMikdash. Our minds are our temples. Very, you know, my father used to say that. My father would say, our minds are our temples. I never understood what he meant. Our minds are our Beit HaMikdash. It's the holiest place in the human body is our minds. Why? Because we're meant to think about God in our minds. We bring God into our minds every time we think about God. We're bringing God into our minds. How can God come into the temple when the temple is desecrated? Boy, we have to really think about that. Have a pure mind, have a holy mind, have good thoughts, pure thoughts, because that's where God enters. How does God enter into us? Through our minds. When we think about God, Baruch Atah Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Hashem is in our minds. Some people say the words, but they don't really think about it, but we have to think about it. We have to really bring God into our lives. Every time it says, Every time you mention my name, any place that mentions my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. So thoughts are very, very important. And we have to try and get good thoughts, good thoughts into our heads. And every time we think bad thoughts, we're going to think this bad thought is destructive. It's destroying my brain. It's destroying my capabilities. It's destroying my potential. It's destroying my future. Positive thoughts are building my potential, building my future, building everything. Everything is being built by positive thoughts. And definitely positive speech is the seal on top of the positive thoughts. So think positive. Say positive things and act positively. All of us, again, let's say positive things. Israel will thrive. You know, it's thriving already. It's amazing. With all the troubles, Israel is thriving. There's more investment in Israel high tech this last month than, I don't know, it's a record, 700 million, whatever it was this past month. Israel is thriving with all its problems. So let's be positive. Israel is going to thrive. All the nations of the world are one day going to admit that Israel is thriving because God is behind them. And that is the positivity of Judaism is Mashiach is coming. Mashiach is always coming. We believe that things will get better and we have to work. We end off the let us fix this world under the kingship of God with all our enemies, with all our problems. Let's thrive together, build ourselves up, build our families up, build our acquaintances up, build our communities up, and bless everyone. We shall have a Shabbat Shalom of serenity, of peace of mind here around the world, safety and security around the world. Shabbat Shalom. Have a great week. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.